0: edition of the Degenerate Hawkeyes podcast. Trent and Biz talking Hawkeye football with you. Iowa, fresh off a dominating performance out at College Park, Maryland, as the Hawkeyes win at 51-14. And uh, just a little game going on this week, Biz. Not a whole lot of talk about this one, right? Just an Nittany Lions coming to town.
1: Well, it's not not big enough for game day to come apparently, but uh, <laughs> I think it's a big one for all of us, Trent. The biggest one in a long, long time, that's for sure. But... Uh... You know, before we, before we jump too deep into what's upcoming, let's, let's talk about what happened. That was was pretty darn impressive. Uh, I think you and I were both pretty apprehensive about that game. And, you know, I talked last week about, you know, are we number three or number 33? And boy, last Friday we were definitely, definitely, definitely number three. And fortunately the pollsters agree with us. They voted us number three even now. So, uh, things just keep getting better and better for the Hawks right now.
0: Seven takeaways in the game. They make uh, Tonga Vailoa really struggle. Five interceptions of him. One of the backup. Six picks as a whole. Iowa gets out there, but most importantly, I, I really think, yeah, the defense was great. Defenses has been great. That's not a surprise. But what we saw out of Spencer Petrus, and I think anybody knows that listens to our podcast or listens to me on the radio, I just was not a big believer in Spencer Petrus. I-, I wasn't sure he was the guy that could elevate them from good. 8-4, and 9-3, and three good, and take that final step. Now, they're still not there. We'll find out even more this weekend. But that one, really after kind of a rough start from Petrus. My favorite part, though, is even – so I'm calling high school football Friday night. I got it on on the iPad, but I'm not seeing a whole lot. But I went home, you know, flipped on the game, and had a couple of beers as I rewatched it, knowing what happened ultimately. But early on, he had some struggles. But it wasn't the Spencer Petras where he's clapping his hands and looking bewildered. He was confident. And that confidence, you can see, continue to build with him. He's got some swagger. Now, he's not Drew Tate. He's not Ricky Stans. He's not C.J. Beathard as it pertains to swagger. But this is a guy that's gaining confidence at the very least.
1: It was definitely a, a tough day for the, the Spencer Petras and, and the Brian haters, Trent. I mean, yeah. I, I, you know, we've talked about it a million times. You know, Spencer Petrus. when he gets a clean pocket, he is a good quarterback and, and you know he had a clean pocket pocket a lot on Friday, but you know I thought Brian Ferrens, I just absolutely loved the, the game plan right from the beginning. As you said, Petrus wasn't real sharp the first you know five or six passes, but I just love that we came out aggressive and I think that's what gives him some of that confidence is I think it's pretty clear that the coaching staffs starting to show some confidence in him. Uh, you saw it at Colorado State, you know, the second half, they put the game on his back and said, you're going to have to win it for us. And, and he made some nice passes and did. And, you know, you saw it on Friday night, right from the get-go. They they were thinking pass first, and, you know, it, it helped set up the run. And obviously, you know, Trent, uh, I talked last week about my offensive line concerns. Mm-hmm. Boy, uh they must have listened and gotten angry, Trent, because that offensive line performance was really impressive, just across the board. Great in the run game, great in pass protection. Just a really a different line in general. They were uh, they were dominant. And I, I don't know. We'll find out this week if that was more a product of the O line is getting better or Maryland is just not very good up front. We'll, <laughs> we'll, obviously, we'll find out this week because Penn State's going to create uh, plenty of challenges for the O line and, and the offense in general.
0: Yeah, really good defense. We'll get into that, but. You know, the offensive line, and any time it feels like there's been a week where they're pretty maligned, there's a lot of concerns or questions. I go back to the upset of Michigan four years ago when they won that game on the walk-off from Keith Duncan. And the week before against Penn State, they were obliterated. They just looked absolutely terrible out there. And with Ohio State coming to town, that's what it was, Ohio State coming to town, oh, how are they going to block these guys? And what do they do? They blocked them incredibly well. So anytime it feels like we get that, well, there's a reason. Kurt Ferentz knows offensive line pretty well, and he'll put a little extra attention if need be. They stepped up in a big-time way. You're exactly right. Running game got going, and you look at the final numbers. Boy, and now Goodson, you know, the big, long touchdown where he breaks a guy's ankles and, and goes out and has it was on a grab. But I thought he ran the football a lot better than the final numbers indicated. Looked like Tyler Goodson maybe had his best game, even in a game he didn't go over 100 yards rushing.
1: Yeah, well, he gets, you know, I think what you found out with Tyler Goodson over the last, you know, the longer he's here, what you realize with him is, you know, if if he can get that momentum going and get to the second level, man, he is a dynamic running back. He still tends to, you know, he's still not willing to take those two, three, four-yard carries and just put his nose down and accept it. He's always looking to, you know, he's looking to hit the home run probably a little more than, than you or I like, or certainly more than the coaching staff likes. But boy, when we block well for him and get him a, a bit of a line surge, he's definitely a you know, he's a rare talent when it comes to being able to, to make people miss in the open field. If, if he's one on one in in space, you, you know, generally he's going to make that guy miss. So yeah, and I thought again, I thought I K M ran really well again. Also, he has really shown just you know, obviously the fumbles have been a concern, but he's shown this year he hits that hole with authority and he's you know i think they're starting to be kind of a good duo where you know you got icam that can come in and get maybe a little more tough yards and then you've got the game breaker and in goodson so uh if icam can hold on to the football you've got a pretty good duo going forward
0: defensively we talked about it at the top there but the six interceptions seven turnovers the terry roberts and company forcing the fumble and demas going down for the rest of the season that came out on Monday with uh, that knee injury that was absolutely hideous but they're all over the place they were making plays and I was listening to Michael Felder wh- who works for the athletic goes a little deeper kind of inside the game and just talking about you know what Iowa does with their zone coverages and, and changing looks and making it difficult on the quarterback and giving them some different looks but so many of those plays it wasn't the lock <laughs> excuse me the tip ball, those kind of things it was Iowa making plays making plays on the football. Phil Parker does it again.
1: Well, and it's it's become kind of a trend on Iowa road games where first quarter, you can almost tell that Phil is just kind of feeling the team out. You know, last year at Penn state, this year at Maryland, you know, some pretty easy drives in the first quarter where people, uh, (laughs) march down the field on us and you get kind of that moment of trepidation where you're like, Oh boy, maybe, maybe this is the week where, uh, the defense just doesn't have it. But, Time in and time out. By the time the, you get to middle of the second quarter and on, he's got it figured out. You know, he he just kind of he's like a mad scientist, Trent. I think he sits back there, he sees, okay, here's what they're going to do, uh, and now I'm going to take that away, and he does time and time again. So, and, and you know what a second quarter that was in in general, Trent. You know, when you're talking about all time performances, who who do you have to go to to look and see where it, where it uh, falls all time?
0: That means we uh, give a call to shit, Snap away.
1: Yep. And, and, and again, he's doing double duty this week at a couple different jobs. One was to look into, you know, just how dominant of a win and how dominant of a quarter this was. And the second one, as we'll talk about later, was to, to break down the Iowa Penn State rivalry. And let's start with the, the second quarter, Trent. Obviously, we scored 31 points in that dominant second quarter. Want to guess how many times that's happened in the, the modern Hayden and Kirk era? Uh,
0: I'll say twice.
1: Meaning, this is the third. Yes. Well, you're one off. This is the fourth time ever. Okay. But the first time against a Big Ten opponent. The other three times, the first one you go back to the the 1984 Freedom Bowl. We scored 31 points against Texas, and that's a dominant Mm -hmm. 55 to 17 win. The other two times, we scored 37 points each against mighty Drake in 1985. (laughs) Why the hell we were playing Drake? I have no idea. (laughs) with 37 points in the quarter. And then in 2002, we scored 37 against the mighty Akron Zips. So from a Big Ten perspective, it was the most uh, most dominant quarter uh, of our lifetime, Trent. Uh, a lot of times we scored 28 quite a few times in the quarter, but never 31. So uh, I think you can make an argument the second quarter may have been the, the best quarter we've uh, we've seen in the Big Ten game out of the Hawks.
0: Enjoyed it. I know that much. So stat boy going to work there. Iowa gets it done, 51-14 the final. Maryland 4-1. and You wonder kind of what's next with the Terps as they get ready for Ohio State this week. Getting 21. We'll make some picks a little bit later on. Tried to do our best on that. It's been a hideous one for me, but uh, we'll get into that a little bit later. Anything else before we turn the page to Penn State?
1: One more. give Stat Boyer. He kind of uh, added on to his assignment. 51-14 final, uh, which means we won by... By thirty-five plus, um, Big Ten road wins of thirty-five plus—that's a surprise. It's happened more often than I thought. So you Want to guess how many times in the Hayden and Kirk era well, we've talking, won well, by thirty-five or more on the road in the Big Ten?
0: Forty-two years, Big Ten games. Let's say a dozen.
1: Very good guess. It's been eleven. So okay. this Kirk Kirk took the lead from Hayden on the uh, nice. on Friday night. Kirk has now done it six times. Hayden has done it five times. Um, of the 11 times, five of them have been against Northwestern. Uh, Hayden, uh, Hayden loaded up on Northwestern back in the days. So, But Kirks, so we'll just break down his six real quick. First one was in 2001. We beat Northwestern 59-16. to 2008, we did it twice, 45-9 to on the road in Indiana. And then the, the end-of-the-year curb stomping where we shut down the, the Uber H. Humphrey Metrodome uh, 55-0. And then 2017, we end the year Nebraska 56-14. And then 2018, we throttled Illinois 53-0. So it happened more often than I thought, but uh, only the third time in the last 11 years. So uh, 35-plus, rare, but not as rare as I expected.
0: Good stuff there. Before we get into this week's matchup, let's get Stat Boy back to work as you had him talk about some of the great Iowa Penn State games and Biz, we've seen a lot of them. Uh, been there for a lot of them. Quite a list here of games. Hawkeyes, Nittany Lions.
1: Yeah, this is this is a fun fun trip down the memory lane here, Trent. Uh, you know what I asked that Boy was, you know, the Iowa Penn State game has become, you know, I think one of the more enjoyable games year in and year out. There have been some crazy games, some crazy wins, some crazy losses. So what I had Stat Boy do is, is look into it, and so we could create a top ten list of uh, the Iowa Penn State games uh, in, uh, since uh, since they joined the Big Ten. So you ready to you're ready to dig into some really fun Iowa Penn State games over the past uh, past twenty five years. Absolutely, let's do it. So let's start with the stats. Kirk Ferentz is nine and eight against Penn State. Uh, as you know, there's been some crazy swings from 2000 to 2010. We won eight of nine. But then leading up to last year, we lost six in a row. So let's hope those crazy swings continue. And last year was the start of another trend where we win four or five in a row. But we're going to start our trip down memory lane, Trent, with, with a loss. So well, there's actually a couple losses in here of the top ten. So, But number ten, Trent, you go back to 1995, uh-huh. kind of the start of what I consider to be the, the true rivalry, that Penn State joined the Big Ten in 93, but in 93 and 94, they absolutely destroyed us. But 1995 was the first time since they joined the Big Ten that it was a ranked matchup. Iowa was number 18. Penn State was number 19. And this was the first true big game of my college career. I was a young freshman at Iowa in 1995. And so uh, I got excited and decided to uh, invite some high school friends up, Trent. Yes, yes. Uh, amazingly enough that game included uh multiple people from osage that came up including a ninth grade stat boy mm-hmm. his parents who uh, i believe you you know his parents well yes. very responsible yeah. very uh you know very intelligent uh nor- normal individuals they they felt it was a good idea to drop their uh, ninth grade son off in the craziness of Iowa city um, and just say uh Enjoy it. We'll we'll see you in in 36 hours. So, uh, <laughs> I, guess, I guess they trusted me, Trent. I I, I built up some trust as, as a nice nice young man at Osage Community High School. If so, they
0: only knew, Biz. If they only knew.
1: Well, if they only knew, just listen to the next few minutes, and they'll realize just uh just what they what they got themselves into. So,
0: you remember that 1995 game? That was, I believe, the Pigheads game, and Iowa. Did they hang around, or was it a comeback game? I know they ultimately lost, but. Fill me in kind of how that game went.
1: Yeah, no, they more than hung around. They, they had the lead in the fourth quarter. But oh, wow! The, the, the comeback game was against Ohio State, where it was crazy comeback. Oh, yeah, yeah. Penn yeah. State, we lost 41-27. But as you said, this will forever be known as the Pig's Head game. Yes. And, and Amazingly enough, the Pig's Head was right behind us. Oh, wow. The, the guy who brought the Pig's Head was one row behind us in the student section. He strolled in midway through the first quarter, was wearing a huge parka for a game in late October, which that probably should have been the first uh, warning sign for security. Mm-hmm. but They let him in. He showed us late in the first quarter that he had a full pig's head, <laughs> bloody and everything, in his, uh, in his coat because they had his tailgate had, had grilled some sort of pig and he had brought the head to the game because he thought that would be a good choice. So uh, he's sitting behind us. As the game goes on, we, back and forth, we take the lead, 27-24, early in the fourth quarter on a Cedric Shaw touchdown. We look back, and Pig's Head guy is sprinting down the, uh, as you know, we always tried to sit 20-yard uh, line, 20 rows up. Mm-hmm. He's sprinting down those 20 rows, we see him take a two-hand chuck and fire the Pig's Head onto the field. So, uh he comes running back up and celebrates and, and watches the rest of the game right next to us. No, uh, no ramifications, nothing. So, unfortunately, from that point on, the game takes a turn for the worse. We lose forty-one twenty-seven. But Stat Boy found some great newspaper articles about the game. So let's. Uh, I'm just going to read you three pretty great paragraphs about the game.
0: 1995 Iowa Penn State. All right, here we go. Yep. So uh, here is a list,
1: and this is straight from the press citizen, here is a list of objects hurled onto the field at Saturday's University of Iowa Penn State University football game. Marshmallows, a raw chicken, full <laughs> beer cans, a full bottle of liquor, and here's the kicker, a pig's head. The beer can, the full beer can hit UI assistant coach Milan Validovich. The other items fortunately landed without incident near the field. UI Student Government Vice President Jeremy Johnson says that the pig's head was simply a harmless prank, a sort of tradition among students. It sort of tells the other team, oh, we're going to kill you, Johnson said with a laugh. <laughs> Things like this happen at campuses all over the place. So, no, no harm, no foul, Trent. Yeah. Pig's head was uh, yeah, no big deal. Hayden felt differently. Hayden felt uh, he was pretty fired up afterwards, obviously, you know, the loss probably didn't help, but Hayden, Hayden thought we should lock up these people and throw away the key. Uh, the administration thought the same. Afterwards, there were actually some discussions about putting netting around the uh, student <laughs> section so that you couldn't throw things on. Fortunately, it didn't get to that point, uh, and uh, fortunately, we, we avoided being uh, caged up in the student section. But. We lose the game the best part of that or end of the we end up going to a party that night and again ninth grade stat boy it can confirm at the party he enjoyed the party a little too much but was able to actually bum a cigarette from none other than Chris Kingsbury he sat on the couch chatted with Chris Kingsbury and bummed a cigarette for a while so uh we start the list number 10 enjoyable game unfortunate result but uh an all-time legendary day for our, our friend Stat Boy.
0: That is uh, quite the capper to what fourteen-year-old Stat Boy just living his best life.
1: I will say, fourteen-year-old Stat Boy did look like about twenty-four-year-old Statboy. Boy. It's true, he, yeah. uh, he he looked older than I did at the time. That's for sure. So, so but uh, thank you to his parents for trusting trusting me and, and and making sure he got home safe, which he did, by the way.
0: Yeah, he got back there, got a cigarette from Chris Kingsbury. I, that's that's about as good as it gets as a high schooler.
1: Exactly. So, All right, Chad, well, let's move on. Number nine, this is the first win uh, that we'll talk about. 24-18 um, to 18 in 2001. Um, this was a big game. Not all that memorable of a game, but it was a huge game because, if you remember, we had won four games in two years in 1999 and 2000. Um, Penn State was bad in 2001. In fact, when they, when they lost that game, they went to 0-3. But we went to 3-0. and 0. And that was kind of the uh, jump start to being able to go to a bowl game that year. Mm-hmm. So uh, a big win, 24-18, to 18, but nothing all that memorable about the win in general. So you remember that game at all?
0: Uh, a little bit. Really, the only thing that I remember well is during that time period, I think it was ESPN 2 would replay whatever the ESPN game was at like midnight on Sunday night. And I just remember re-watching it because I don't remember a whole lot of it being there. So must have imbibed a little too much before that one.
1: Yeah, well, and it was uh, – the one thing that Stat Boys sent me about it was that apparently Kirk French lost his mind during that game. There was a questionable um, late hit call on R.J. Meyer, and he, he went absolutely insane. So, a uh, spicy Kirk back in the days. So,
0: Always a good thing.
1: Number eight, Trent, is the second loss and the last of the losses. Number seven, they're all happy thoughts after this. But number eight, I figured it probably wasn't fair to create a top ten – and not include the Saquon Barkley game. Sure. So, uh, yeah. Number eight is 2017. If you were making this list from a Penn State perspective, obviously it would be much higher. We all remember the game. It was relatively fresh in our minds. We mm-hmm. lose 21-19 at the buzzer. But Saquon Barkley, remember how many all-purpose yards you had in that game?
0: I think I read it this week. Was it like 359 or something asinine like that? 358. Yeah, 358.
1: So, yeah. <laughs> it's one of those performances, honestly – 25, 50 years from now, we'll still be remembering the Saquon-Barkley game. Yeah. So uh, obviously the results stunk, but it was it was one of those games where you walked away you were thinking, man, what, what a great football game. And, and one where, you know, 2017, we weren't a great team, but man, we put up a great fight that night.
0: So, that, uh, that one was a really fun experience. I got tickets from a client. It was me, my wife, my cousin, and now his wife. And uh, we got tickets right in that end zone where the final score, touchdown was scored, front row. So our feet were on the field. I mean, people as a game, as Penn State's driving down trying to win the game, we had people just piling on top of us because everybody was getting ready to storm the field afterwards, and, of course, it didn't happen. And if you watch that final play, one of the camera angles, you'll see Trey Condon there disgusted and throw his hands down in disgust after uh, Johnson catches that touchdown pass for Penn State. So you can see me on TV if you want to go relive that one. I, I wouldn't encourage that, though.
1: Uh so Monty Hooker was only six one and not 5-11. Oh, yes. We win that game. So, but, but we'll move on to happy thoughts, Trent. All right. last seven, I promise they're all wins and they're all pretty great wins. So number seven, Trent, last year's win, forty one twenty one at Happy Valley, um, and you'll see a trend in these last seven. There's a lot of wins at Happy Valley over the years. So, uh, but snap the six game losing streak. Pretty much kicked their butt. And you have the famous, uh, what will become famous over the years, Davion Nixon pick right. six. So uh, other than that, that, that game is pretty fresh in everybody's mind. I don't think we need to uh, spend too much time breaking that one down.
0: So, It'll be remembered as the Davion Nixon game. Exactly. So, Number
1: six, Trent, go back all the way to 1996. This is the Timmy mm. D game. You remember this one?
0: I do. I remember listening to this one on the radio. I don't know if it was because... It wasn't on TV, and we're talking about the '90s, and that, yes, kids, that was something that did happen. Or if I just had something going on, I had to drive around. But yeah, I do remember the game, and I remember listening to Podolak and Dolph on the call.
1: Yeah, another one at Happy Valley. We pull out a 21 to 20 win against number 10 Penn State. All of our touchdowns had to get some creativity. You had uh, Timmy D an 83 yard punt return. You had our second touchdown with Timmy D, a 65 yard catch that got us down inside the five. And the third touchdown involved some classic Hayden Fry uh, trickeration, a Rob time fullback <laughs> pass to Demo Odoms got us down inside the 10. And then we were able to pound it in from there. Um, but the other important stat from this game, Osage legend, Aaron Granquist yes. two carries for 14 yards, one catch for four yards. So, uh, Integral part of that win, uh, Aaron Grandquist.
0: I'm so, going to uh, guess I, the most total offense from an Osage player against Penn State.
1: I would assume. I, uh, <laughs> I
0: can't, unless Will
1: Wack had some sort of no. a uh, <laughs>
0: fumble, Ruski uh, fumble, Ruski.
1: So, <laughs> no, I, th- I think Aaron Grandquist. Safely, we can say his 18 yards. Not only is it the best ever, but probably will never be beaten again. That's so, true. true. So, moving into the top five, Trent, and man, these are some good games. And some good memories. Number five. This may be a little high, but uh, to me, I think I have it five because it was kind of the turning point for the Kirk Ferentz era in my mind. 26 23, double overtime victory in 2000. Kirk Ferentz's first Big Ten road win. Uh, do you remember how that game ended? Do you remember who had the, uh, the tip ball interception to seal the deal?
0: Yeah, male model Ryan Hansen.
1: Yeah, Ryan Hansen, male model. I had forgotten. I knew about the male model part, but Stat Boy sent me information. It was actually the week of the week of that game. Ryan Hansen was announced as People Magazine's sexiest athlete alive. That wow. so, uh, was the same week. Did not remember that. I, I knew I actually went to law school with Ryan Hansen. He was, uh, I believe, a year behind me. Uh, don't know him well, but he seemed like seemed like a nice enough guy, and, and ser- certainly a, a sharp-looking cat. So, uh, <laughs> male model and. Uh, or at least one day, uh, Hawkeye hero.
0: Yes, he was. Yes, he was. That was a fun one. 2,000 Iowa 26-23 as they pick up another win in the Ferrins early era.
1: Number four, once again, Trent, another classic in Happy Valley. I use the word classic loosely because this is a classic only an Iowa football fan can love. We're talking a 6-4 in 2004, mm-hmm. um, a score that will be remembered forever. And the circumstances, honestly, will be remembered forever also. You know, Ferentz's dad had passed away. Very, very emotional week. Uh, really got to see some raw Kirk Ferentz afterwards uh, in a game that uh, I'm sure if you ask Kirk his top ten victories of all time, I'm sure it would be very high on the list as well. But uh, my quiz question for you, Trent, we won 6-4. to four. Who was our starting running back that game?
0: 2004, this is when all the injuries were happening. At that point, was, was it? kind of the
1: high point of the injuries right here.
0: Okay, so w- was it Marcus Simmons at this point, or is he hurt too?
1: He was hurt also. Sam
0: Brownlee. Oh, Sam geez. Brownlee
1: starting running back at Happy Valley that day. So Emmitsburg zone. There's a reason we only scored six points.
0: <laughs> yes. Six was enough, though, that day. Iowa took a safety in the fourth quarter just because they knew Penn State wasn't going to move the football against that Hawkeye defense, even as a field goal would have beat them. Alas, it didn't happen.
1: Yeah, And, again, a score that will go down in into me. You'll, you'll hear about it for the rest of our lives. Hopefully there will never be another 6-4 game because uh, we're the one and only.
0: Might have one this week, way these two defenses are.
1: long as we have the six. I'm yes, fine. let's do it. In the top three, Trent, and, again, man, this next one, I, I went back and actually watched the YouTube breakdown of this game because, man, it is a classic when you watch it. 2002, oh, yeah. as you know, one of the most memorable years in Iowa history, but a, a crazy, crazy game at Happy Valley. We pull off a 42 to 35 win in overtime, but do you remember the actual uh, ebbs and flows of that game?
0: Oh, there was like a block two point conversion in it. I was up. There's like eight minutes left when they're still up three touchdowns, looking like they're cruising. Penn State comes roaring back, of course, winning in overtime, 42 35, but yeah, it was all over the place.
1: Yeah, that's a good summary, but let me go through it real quick. We're up 17 nothing. 11 minutes into the game. We get up 23 nothing. midway through the second quarter after Ed Hinkle's amazing touchdown catch. Oh, yeah. They block our extra point, so it's 23 nothing. Katie makes a 55-yarder at the half, so up 26-7 at the half. They score to make it 26-13, but we block the extra point, return it for two, so it's 28-13. We're up 35-13 in the fourth, and twice In the first four minutes of the fourth quarter, we're inside the one-yard line with a chance to go 42-13. The first time, throw a perfect pass to Dallas Clark, bounces off his hands, and they intercept it. Fortunately, two plays later, they throw it back to us, and we return the pick to the one-yard line. On the next play, 35-13, Fred Russell can walk into the end zone, and miraculously, a guy reaches over and pokes the ball out, so we fumble at the one. So uh, from that point on... The game is a complete train wreck. We fall apart. We go from up 35-13 with 7.20 to go to tied with a minute and a half to go. So uh, there's no business us winning this game at this point. But we miraculously take the ball, score first, and then uh, Zach Mills uh, chokes on, the, on their drive and inexplicably throws a pass like the 11-yard line on fourth down so, uh, when they need the end zone. So. A game that we dominated for three and a half quarters and then tried really, really hard to blow. But uh, that was kind of the, uh, you know, if, if we blow that game, 2002 is not the year that we, we remember it as. That was kind of the, the jumping off point for an mm-hmm. unbelievable year. So.
0: A lot of scar tissue from the Iowa State game just a couple of games before, of course, lost the second half lead there. Yeah, finding a way to get that one done, Real, you're right, catapulted that team forward.
1: Number two, Trent, 2008 this is the uh, Daniel Murray game. 24-20. The green The what? The green out. Exactly, the green out. So 24-23, we win at the buzzer against number three, Penn State. Went back and looked. We had no business winning this game. Um, as you know, amazing start. We come out on fire. Should have had a safety or a potential touchdown yeah. on a fumble two plays into the game. But then uh, they punt, short punt. We drive down and score 7-0. From that point on, the rest of the first half was the most domination I've ever seen from a team. Mm -hmm. You remember, time of possession, this is unbelievable. Penn State had the ball for 23 minutes and 34 seconds in the first half. So somehow we survived, and we bounced back, down 23-14 late. We score, we get the stop, we get the field goal. um, The rest is history. So 24-23, we were outmanned, but uh, Kinnick, or nighttime kinnick magic uh, prevailed in the end
0: you know uh, you mentioned just uh, how crazy that game was and i remember as we normally do all getting together in the corner at halftime and just saying boy they're so much better than we are we don't have a chance here it's 13-7 at the half and it felt like it should have been 31-7 yeah
1: Uh, i remember going to our our normal spot out uh, for our halftime visit and the I remember all of us saying, oh, boy, this could get really, really ugly. But uh, somehow we, we kept fighting. We kept battling and uh, you know, pulled it out in the end. Uh, so, and, again, a game that you know, if you can make an argument, that may be number one. But, Trent, because you and I uh, <laughs> were there in person and because it was the greatest road trip of all time, number one's an easy one. What is it, Trent?
0: It is 2009, a year later, as Adrian Claiborne hits the block punt. We run it back. We get to celebrate on the field for what a good 30 seconds or so afterwards, get a picture taken as Iowa wins it 21 10.
1: Yeah, we spent five minutes persuading the security guard <laughs> to just let us uh, stand in the end zone for a while. And he, he was certainly nervous, but he uh, he let us on for, like you said, 30 seconds and got out of there. But, you know, just an epic trip all around. You know, for people that are listening to this that have not been to Happy Valley, definitely go. It is an amazing place to go, it's an awesome uh, experience obviously the, just the whole dynamic of that day with college game day being there the whiteout falling down early you know they get a score on the first play of the game the crowd's going nuts you know just the, the resiliency of that team to battle back and win that game is, is something that Iowa fans will will remember forever uh, that block punt uh, May not be the greatest play in Iowa history, but for, for me being there in person, it's certainly the most enjoyable play I can remember.
0: It was just an absolute momentum. The ch- the sound inside the stadium, and then as Iowa was polishing them off late in the fourth quarter, a small group of Hawkeye fans celebrating, chanting, uh, "One of the best experiences I have ever had at a football game."
1: They're number one for a reason, Trent. Yes. <laughs> You look at that ten, man. There have been some fun, fun games at Penn State, and I think, or assume, we're in for another fun one on, on Saturday. I, you, know, uh, you know, this is a game where, you know, it certainly, you know, it, it's a rare opportunity—three versus four. It doesn't happen very much. It, it certainly hasn't happened uh, in our adult adult lives. It's amazing. I think they said once it happened twice since 1960 in the Big Ten, not involving Michigan and, and Ohio State. So, uh, you know, uh, enjoy it. It's going to be a fun game on Saturday. Uh, so let's uh, let's break it down a little bit. What do you, what do you, what's your guess?
0: I, as I mentioned earlier, as we referenced the 6-4 game of 2004, I think we're locked down, knock down, drag out kind of fight kind of game. I, I, I don't see this thing being even thing close to – a shootout, I don't see either offense being able to do a whole lot. I think this is field position. This is going to be just one of those kind of affairs that, for a casual observer, they'll walk away and say, boy, that was boring. But for Iowa football fans, for Penn State football fans, it'll be one that comes down to the wire. I think it's pretty simple. Don't make a mistake. Don't make a mistake. Don't lose this football game, and it's going to be a coin flip come fourth quarter. It's kind of a boring analysis, but unfortunately, that's just what I see. Don't make a mistake. Whoever makes that mistake is probably going to lose this one.
1: Well, and two things also, and I agree with that, but two things. One, you got to stop Dotson. I mean, he is their one yep. true great weapon on this team. I mean, and you're not going to keep him. He's going to get his five catches. He's going to get his 75 yards. But don't let him go nuts. Don't let this be his uh, introduction to the Heisman race. He, he can't go off for, you know, he can't do what David Bell has done against us the last couple of times. You know, going in, he's their weapon. You've got to, you know, you got to limit his big catches. We generally we've done a pretty darn good job of that over the years, but uh, occasionally we let those weapons get loose. So we got to let him. We got to keep him in check. The other thing, Trent, and you know, it wouldn't be a podcast of ours without some concern. And so my weekly concern. The good news is every concern I've had we've fixed and it's gotten significantly better. My concern this week is uh, Torrey Taylor. Last two weeks, he has proven uh, he is he is human and not a cyborg. He has uh, not punted very well the last two weeks. So uh, we need cyborg Torrey Taylor back this week. We need him, like you said, if we're not going to make mistakes and we're going to lean on the special teams. We need him to be the uh, special team star he can be. So uh, hopefully he got the kinks out the last two weeks and he's, he's back to be in the, uh, the, the torpedo again this week.
0: We need it. We need it in a field position game. Looking at some advanced stats here, uh, field position actually, Iowa's defense versus Penn State's offense. That is something where Iowa does have a pretty significant advantage there. Turns into a field position. Now, Penn State got a good punter in their own right, so they're going to be good in that one, but just keep hitting them deep, make them go the length of the field. And the Penn State run game has not been great this year either. You mentioned they got a big play threat out there. That's the concern. But overall, this has not been a team that's been overly successful running the ball. I'm also concerned with Clifford, a guy that can move around and make plays outside of the pocket with his feet more than anything. Now, we've seen it in the past. It's any defense can struggle with that, but that's the one little nugget also in there that does have me a little concerned. Clifford, not so much with his arm, but making plays with his feet.
1: I couldn't believe I looked. Noah Cains averaging like three point two yards yeah. a carry. I mean, that's, uh, so yeah, I, I and on the flip side, I see they only have eight sacks as a team on the defensive side. So, uh, you know, honestly, I think this is a very good Penn state. I don't think it's a great Penn state team. I think they're kind of in the same category as us. I think they're probably in that could be, could play as number three, could play as number 33 category. They're, they're a good team, but they're not, this isn't Ohio state coming in in 2006, Mm -hmm. um, or even Penn state coming in in 2008, where, you know, we've got to play the perfect game to, to pull out a victory. We gotta play a good game, but this is one where we can we can stand toe to toe and you know win this game straight up. So but again, like you said, we gotta avoid mistakes, we gotta do the things that have got us here, which is you know, play field position, you know, don't turn the ball over, play smart football, and then when the when the opportunities arise, you gotta take advantage.
0: That is a three o'clock kickoff Fox, and should be a fun day, a fun day of tailgating leading into it. No night game, but make sure to wear the right colors. And Biz, I'm a section over from you this week, so I'm going to be dressed in the gold. Unfortunately, I would prefer the black.
1: Yeah, I think we're we're black, but yeah. uh, it's supposed to be like mid 80s, so yeah. black and mid 80s at three o'clock, maybe a little maybe a little toasty as well. So
0: got to slow down the drinking. That means Biz.
1: Yeah, I'm, this is the one game of the year. I'm not driving to the game, Trent. So have <laughs> to.
0: All right, fair enough. Biz, you ready to make some picks? I am. Uh, I think I had my first losing week last
1: week, but I'm ready. I'm ready to get back on, back on the horse.
0: Yeah, two and one for me. One and two for Biz. The season standings: Bizgard nine five and one against the number, just under five hundred for me now seven and eight. We work to do better. Let's kick it off. Iowa, Penn State, the Hawkeyes are currently at Circus Sports a two and a half point favorite. The current over under is forty one and a half.
1: Well, if you, if you think I'm going away from the Hawks this week, you obviously haven't been listening the last five weeks, Trent. I've, I've been I've been riding the wave, and I'm not uh, not hopping off at this point. So, like I said, I think this is a very good Penn State game team, but I don't think it's great by any means. And I think this Iowa team is locked in right now. So, uh, give me the Hawks at two and a half, and uh, it's going to be a fun Saturday.
0: That's a low total, forty one and a half. Uh, this thing could get away in a hurry. With a total that low. But I'm going to play it. And I'm going to go under that number. 41 and a half. Let's say Iowa sneaks one out. sixteen, twelve, Something in that range. Let's get another goofy score. fifteen, eleven. I don't care. Let's get something wild here. But I'm going to go with the under 41 and a half. Our national game of the week. This is where game day decided to be. Of course, they would be in Iowa City if this was an ABC or an ESPN game. But alas, here we are. The Red River Shootout. Yeah, I'm not PC Biz. I'll say Shootout. Red River Shootout. Texas-Oklahoma. This is one of my favorite bets of the week. I jumped on it when it's three and a half. Currently, it is three. Give me the Longhorns all day long. I just think they're a better football team.
1: I, you know, this is a kiss of death, Trent, but I agree with you. I, I just don't think Oklahoma, I think Oklahoma's uh, been kind of a fraud all year long, and they're due to get exposed, but you know, I, honestly, I don't have real, much, real confidence on either one of these two teams. They're both kind of Jekyll and Hyde type teams, but uh, to me, it's simple. I'll, I'll take the team that's getting the points. So I think it's going to be a close game, and so I saw it at three and a half. Trent, so I'm taking three and a half.
0: Dude, we're going to grab that extra hook. Let's jump aboard with that one. Biz, give us your best bet of the week. Oh,
1: I'm going, uh, going 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 back to the uh, group of five game, Trent. This week, I had some success with that earlier this year, so. Give me the Temple Owls getting 29 points against Cincinnati this week. <laughs> if, if there's ever a time for a letdown, Cincinnati just had its biggest win in the history of its program. You watch Cincinnati. They are a good football team, but they're they're based on defense. They're not a great offense right now. Temple is not terrible. Um, I think they will make this a game early on. Cincinnati will eventually pull away and, and likely win by two or three touchdowns or maybe even four touchdowns. but. They're not winning by four touchdowns plus one, Trent. So give me Temple 29.
0: Getting the 29 and even get a half in there right now. 29 and a half, uh, the numbers I'm oh, looking good. across. If they,
1: go, if they go for two to run it up, I still yes. cover. You're,
0: you're all give right. a half. and a half. You're in good shape. Taking the owls to get it done. Those are our picks of the week. Before we get oh, well, out of here well, each and every week. Well, but you didn't pick a game of the week, did you? Oh, I didn't. I had uh, typed it out oh, as okay. I always send a text to you. Yeah, but I didn't say it here to our fine listeners. Uh, I got the Beavers. I'm going back to the well again. Oregon State has been good to me this year. They go on the road. They go to the Palouse to take on Washington State. Jonathan Smith's done a great job with that Oregon State team. I've watched him a couple of times late night. Only loss of the year came at Purdue, but they played much better since then. I'll take the Beavers minus three and a half.
1: They, I've done the same. I watched them at night. They're an enjoyable team to watch. Mm-hmm. They, uh, they've got kind of an Iowa feel to them. they uh Fundamentally sound. They run the ball well. They don't make mistakes. Uh, I couldn't have named the the coach for my life, but like I guess Jonathan Smith apparently is his name. But uh, what he's done out there is pretty impressive because they're uh, they're down in the Iowa State ranks as far as uh, success over the years, and he's made them into a uh, pretty darn good team.
0: Washington State this week. Then they get Utah. After that, you look at the schedule. Not overly difficult. Looking for a Pac 12 North uh, ticket. Maybe take a look at the Beavers as uh, we go through. All right, Biz, let's get out of here with this. It's time for Biz's Beat. Hey, kids, gather around for Biz's Beat of the Day. Okay, here's Biz's Beat of the Day.
1: Trent, is there a worse human being on earth than Urban Meyer? I, I, I just, the whole. The whole everything that's happened over the last four days, it just it just makes me cringe. Now that I'm old enough to have a daughter that that's a teenager, I mean, just not only watching the video, the video is, is creepy enough, but his explanation and his discussion about it just makes you just cringe. He's just a terrible, terrible human being because he's the worst kind of person. Because not only is it a terrible person, but he thinks he's he's a wonderful human. He's the person. He's just holier than thou. And just thinks, well, you know, whatever I say, if I just give a half-assed apology, that that's good enough. Yeah. And his apology is even worse than the actions itself. I mean, he's 57 years old. He has two daughters and he has multiple grandchildren. So, you know, if, if you haven't seen the video, don't, you'll need to watch it. But just remember that when you watch it. There's a 57-year-old man doing these things. So, uh, you know, it, I'm sure he'll somehow find a way to come out on top on this and he'll probably end up making Jacksonville a, a success. But, uh it. part of me just kind of smiles inside when I see things like this because it just exposes what a truly, truly awful human being he is. And it makes you appreciate uh, what we have in a coach here at Iowa because, you know, is Kirk Ferentz perfect? Has he made some mistakes over the years? Absolutely. But uh, I promise you, you're never going to see a video of Kirk Ferentz doing what Urban Meyer did. Uh, and, and honestly, they're not that far apart in age. It's, uh, remember that when you see the, uh, the creepy pervert doing things on that video. So.
0: And people forget. Last time Urban Meyer uh, had a team in Iowa City, lost 55-24. People forget that. I did not,
1: I, I did not forget that, Trent. I remember that quite well. <laughs> uh, good way thanks, to... Thanks for the reminder. It's yes. always, always a good reminder. Always and have that's, to... That's the last time he will have a team in Kinnick, so he will always have that to remember.
0: 55-24. Biz, let's go have a day this week. See you on Saturday. Go Go Hawks.